Chapter Nine of In the Footprints of the Padres by Charles Warren Stoddard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: An Affair of the Misty City. Three: Balm of Hurt Wounds. He was scrimping in every way. His case was growing desperate. The books, the pictures, the bric-a-brac so precious in his eyes, he was loath to part with moreover he was well aware that if he were to trundle his effects down to an auction-room they would not bring him enough to cover his expenses for a single week better to starve in the midst of my household gods thought he than to part with them for the sake of prolonging this misery the situation was in some respects serio-comic while he seemed to have everything he really had almost nothing he was in a certain sense at the mercy of his friends and dependent upon them as the dinner hour approached paul was called upon to make choice of the character of his table talk there were several standing invitations to dine at the houses of old friends and these were a boon to him for at such houses the homeless fellow felt much at home there were special invitations sometimes an embarrassing profusion of them all kindly some persistent and some even imperative thus the dinner was a fixed fact the mood alone was to be consulted in his choice of a table and after all how much of the success of a dinner depends upon the mood of the diner paul's income was uncertain while he had written much and travelled much as a special correspondent he had never regularly connected himself with any journal and he knew nothing of the routine of office work sometimes i may say not infrequently he could not write at all yet his pen was his only source of revenue and often he was without a copper to his credit he was therefore constrained to dine sumptuously with friends when he would have found a solitary salad a sweet alternative and independence far more acceptable the state of the exchequer was very often alarming and his predicament might have cast a stronger man into the depths but paul could fast without complaint when necessary for he had fasted often and to confess the truth he would much rather have fasted on and on than parted with any of the little souvenirs that made his surroundings charming in spite of his privations the friends who loved and fondled him were wont to send messengers to his door with gifts of flowers books pictures and the like when soup tickets would have been more serviceable though by no means more acceptable it had happened to him more than once that having failed to break his fast for he had a judicious horror of debt born of bitter experience he received at a late hour as tokens of sincere interest in his welfare scarf pens perfumery and scented soap or it may have been a silk handkerchief bearing the richly wrought monogram of the happy but hungry recipient at any rate these testimonials of his popularity were never edible was this hard luck he went from one swell dinner to another day after day with never so much as a crumb between meals it of course made some difference to him this prolonged abstinence but fortunately or unfortunately the effect upon him mentally morally and physically was hardly visible to the naked eye he had a dress coat of the strictly correct type which he had worn but a few times he had lectured in it once or twice he had recited poems in it to the audiences of admiring lady friends it was of no use to him now and he felt that he should never need it again 
on the street below him was a small shop kept by the customary israelite again and again paul had noted the sun-faded frock coat swinging from a hook over the sidewalk in front of this shop he had said i will take this coat to him it is a costly garment divide the original price of it by the number of times i have worn it and i find it has cost me about ten dollars an evening perhaps this old clothes dealer will pay me a fair price for it jew though he be he may be possessed of the heart of a christian alas and alack all of clitheroe's sufferings could be traced to the cool calculating hardness of the christian's heart probably it was prejudice alone that caused him to trust the christian and distrust the jew from day to day he passed the shop striving to muster courage enough to enter and propose his bargain at first he had imagined the dealer offering him but ten dollars for the coat it had cost him a goodly sum a little later he concluded that ten dollars was too little for any one to offer him he might take twenty a day later thirty seemed to him a probable offer and shortly after he imagined himself consenting to receive fifty dollars since the coat was in such admirable repair one day he took it to the dealer he was not cordially welcomed by the man in shirt-sleeves with whom of late he had held innumerable imaginary conversations the shop was extremely small and dark the odour of dead garments pervaded it with an earnest and kindly glance paul invited the sympathy of abraham the son of moses who was the son of isaac he saw nothing but speculation in those eyes his coat was examined and tossed aside as possessing few attractions clitheroe's heart sank within him and it sank deeper and deeper as it began to dawn upon him that the hebrew had no wish to possess the garment and if he did so he did so only to oblige the christian youth a bargain was at last struck paul departed with five dollars in his pocket his dress coat was a thing of the past what could he do next to extricate himself from his dubious dilemma he had a small gold watch a precious souvenir gold is gold said he and worth its weight in gold he had the address of one who was known far and wide as uncle he had heard of persons of the highest respectability seeking this uncle when close pressed and there finding temporary relief at the hands of one who is in some respect a good samaritan in disguise paul found it absolutely impossible for him to enter the not unattractive front of this establishment but there was a private entrance in a small dark alleyway so delicate is the consideration of an uncle whose business it is to nourish those in distress one night it was late at night clitheroe stole guiltily in through the private entrance and sought succour of his uncle this was an unctuous uncle who was as sympathetic and emotional as an undertaker paul exhibited his watch not for worlds would he part with it forever money he must have at once and surely some good angel would come to his assistance before many days this state of affairs could not exist much longer mine uncle examined the watch with kindly eyes with a pathetic shake of his head a pitiful lifting of his bushy eyebrows a commiserating shrug of his fat shoulders and a petulant pursing of his plump lips as much as to say well it is a pity but we must make the best of it you know he told clitheroe he would advance him ten dollars on the watch 
for this the boy was to pay one dollar per week and in the end receive his watch as good as new for the sum of ten dollars as originally advanced paul hesitated but consented since he had no choice in the matter what name asked the uncle benevolently p clitheroe said paul under his breath as if he feared the whole world might know of his disgrace he looked upon this transaction as nothing short of disgrace and he wished to keep it a profound secret oh yes i know the name very well well mr clitheroe here is your ticket take good care of it and here is your money you will always pay your money in advance and weekly until you redeem your pledge i deduct the dollar for the first week clitheroe took the proffered money and withdrew to his surprise and chagrin he found himself possessed of but nine dollars it will not go far thought he with a heavy sigh and where is the dollar to come from i don't see that i have gained much by this exchange what he gained was this for fifteen weeks he managed by the strictest economy to pay his dollar at the end of that time he no longer found it possible to even pay a dollar and the affair with the uncle ended with his having lost not only his watch but sixteen dollars into the bargain a month has passed the sun is streaming through the tall narrow windows of a small chapel the air is flooded with the music that floats from the organ loft the solemn strains of a requiem chanted by sweet boy voices clouds of fragrant incense half obscure the altar where the priest in black vestments is offering the solemn sacrifice of the mass for the repose of the soul of one whom paul had loved dearly ever since he was a child there is one chief mourner kneeling before the altar it is paul clitheroe when the mass is over while the exquisite silence of the place is broken only by the occasional note of some bird lodging in the branches of the trees without paul lingers in profound meditation he is not at all the paul whom we knew but a few months ago through some mysterious influence he seems to have cast off his careless youth and to have become a grave and thoughtful man from the chapel he wanders into the quiet library on the opposite side of a cloister where the flowers grow in tangle and a fountain splashes musically night and day and the birds build and the bees swarm among the blossoms now we see him chatting with the fathers as they stroll up and down in the sunshine now musing over the graves of the franciscan friars who founded the early missions on the coast now dreaming in the ruins of the orchard wandering always apart from the novices and the scholastics who sometimes regard him curiously as if he were not wholly human but a kind of shadow haunting the place his heart grew warm and mellow as he sat by the adobe wall under the red-baked spanish tiles richly mossed with age and contemplated the statue of the madonna in the trellised shrine overgrown with passion flowers there were votive offerings of flowers at her feet and he laid his tribute there from day to day neither did he neglect to pay his visit to the shrine of st joseph in the cloister or st anthony of padua whom he loved best of all and whose statue stood under the willows by the great pool of goldfish he used to count the hours and the quarter hours as they chimed in the belfry and he was beginning to grow fond of the inexorable routine and to find it passing sweet and restful 
he was unconsciously falling into a mode of life such as he had never known before and he seemed to feel a growing repugnance to the world without him how very far away it seemed now he realized an increasing sense of security so long as he lodged within those gates his dark-robed companions the amiable fathers cheered him comforted him strengthened him and yet when his ghostly father one day sent word to clitheroe that he desired to see him immediately and thereupon insisted that the heartbroken boy accompany him to the retreat of his order he had no thought other than to offer paul the change of scene which alone might help to tide the youth over the first crushing pangs of bereavement give me a week or two of your time pleaded the good priest and i will introduce you to a course of life such as you have never known it should interest and perhaps benefit you possibly you may find it delightful at any rate you must be hastened out of the morbid mood which now possesses you even if we have to drag you by force so paul went with him suddenly and in a kind of desperation his visit was prolonged from day to day until some weeks had passed peace was returning to him peace such as he had never known before meanwhile certain of the young poet's friends had called to see him at the eyrie and to their amazement found his rooms deserted in the staring bay window with the inner blinds thrown wide open was notice to let his landlady knew nothing of his whereabouts he had said good-bye to no one his disappearance was perhaps the most mysterious of mysterious disappearances now what really happened was this having packed everything he valued and seen it safely stored he settled with his landlady and went down to the club it was his p p c though no one there suspected it and with just a touch of sentiment he walked through the rooms alone he saw at a glance that the usual habitues of the place were employing themselves in the same old way though he had not been there often of late no one seemed much surprised to see him he passed through the suite of rooms without addressing himself to any one in particular a glance of recognition here and there a smile a slight nod now and again this was all having made the rounds he returned to the cloak-room took his hat and cane and departed from that hour dated his disappearance from that hour the eyrie saw him no more forever end of chapter nine part three